Welcome to Mission Critical, sale leaseback podcast by Ascension, the world's number one sale leaseback show. We share the latest in sale leaseback advice from the best in the game to keep you at the cutting edge of the hottest emerging practices in corporate real estate. I'm your host, Tom Johnson. We talk to sale leaseback. Yeah, you ready? This is Mission Critical, a podcast by Ascension. I'm Tom Johnson, and thank you for joining us. Today, I'm here with Logan Carbonari. You got that. Logan is a senior associate here at Ascension that focuses in the convenience and gas station sale leaseback space. Logan originally actually found success in New York City, working in software sales, and later in Oklahoma, of all places, working in food processing equipment manufacturing. Holds a business degree from BU with a concentration in marketing and law, and he lives in LA with his wife, and newborn. Logan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Tom. Excited to be here. Awesome. It's great to see you. So let's just kind of jump into it right away. I mean, you know, I've been doing this for 15, 20 years. I speak to a lot of real estate professionals. You know, a lot of people say, I sell all retail. I sell office buildings. I sell apartments. You really have seemed to have found a niche in real estate, and it's a really unique market, and it's in the gas station space. So, you know, tell me how you fell into this. Yeah. Well, I think it's probably just your typical combination of like hard work and good timing, right? Always was focused on sell leasebacks while we were here at Ascension, was at a conference, one of the many conferences we visit where there's private equity and investment banks and operators. Had a great conversation with an investment bank who was working with, you know, a operator who was just getting started in, you know, growing and expanding and wanted to leverage sell leasebacks uh, to do that. And it just happened to be a really serendipitous kind of uh, meeting and timing. And so it's been about two and a half, three years where I've been working with this particular operator and it's really kind of engulfed me in this kind of gas station C-store space. And I've found success there and I enjoy it. And you know that's really what I've been focused on for the last couple of years. So what is it that you enjoy about it? Why do, why do you like this specific space so much? What's fun about it to you? Well, I think that A, it's very fast paced, right? So there's been massive, you know, roll-up strategies in this particular space where you know, the, the gas station market and C-store market is interesting in that there's about 150,000 of these C-stores in the United States, of which like 60% of them are just independent mom and pop. So if you're a well-financed, you know, opportunistic business person, that's a big opportunity, right? There's a massive, you know, fragmentation in the market. So, you know, the speed at which this is happening is very exciting, right? There's a, the phone's always ringing. There's always opportunities. There's always deals to happen. So I really enjoy that. And then I think there's an interesting piece from the investor side, which we'll probably touch on later, around tax benefits related to this kind of investment. And I always find it like rewarding to be able to share you know, knowledge that folks maybe don't necessarily know about, but that's incredibly valuable to their business or their plan or their wealth building strategy or, or what it might be. So yeah, it's been a really interesting ride. So let's go back to the first part you spoke about. It's fragmented, 150 some odd businesses in the US. I think you said 60,000 Kind of more mom and pops. 60% of the 150,000. So you call it like 95,000 or so. Are the mom and pops. Yeah. So let's just talk about the, the, you know, the fragmentation and what those particular groups are doing or, or maybe like what they should be doing or what they should be thinking about, right? Like, let's break it down. We've got the mom and pops. Like what's affecting them? What are they doing? What should they be doing right now? What should they be at least thinking about, right? Well, the mom and pops are interesting, right? Because at the end of the day, like they're just small business owners, right? So maybe they own one gas station, two or three, you know, in their community, you know, it's making them enough money. They're putting food on the table. They're living, you know, a decent life. You know, vast majority of those folks are immigrants that have come to the United States for a better life. 
and have found opportunity in this space. And so, you know, I think that there's two really avenues, right? It's one, you know, continue to do it, right? It's a great business. It provides a healthy lifestyle. And so just keep your head down and keep running that direction. Very entrepreneurial. There's clearly a lot of opportunity, right? Either to say, hey, I've been doing this for 30 or 40 years. I'm tired. I've got grandkids. You know, I want to sell. And there's a lot of opportunity to do that. Or, right, I'm, you know, I want the next phase. I want to be more aggressive. And so a lot of these, you know, C-store operators that are growing, they're looking for partners, right? Um, Because not every gas company has their own corporate employees that are running the stores day to day, right? So if you think about like the Wawa's and the Sheets of the world, the folks behind the counter, they're employees for Wawa and Sheets. But you have a whole nother section of these gas station C-store operators where they have dealers or sub-operators or folks running the stores. And so they're always looking for experienced you know, operators to say, hey, look, we have a portfolio of 20 sites in the Wisconsin market. We really need someone experienced to go run this. And you can go do that. And so I think there's a few different ways you can go, you know, but both are really great options depending on you know, where you're at in your life and what you're looking to achieve. And I think part of that kind of dovetails into, all right, you're the 20 unit operator, you're looking for some partnership, you're looking for some experience. That kind of leads into the other 35, 40% in the space, which is what more the institutional private equity type, you know, professional investor space. So like, you know, what is their strategy or what are their concerns? I mean, they're, they're just focused on growth, right? Like every other private equity firm that's looking at a roll up strategy, they're, they're looking at how can we, you know, grow through acquisition you know, in, in certain circumstances, also grow through development, but acquisition is the key for them, right? So identifying markets where they can, you know, land and expand, have a heavy concentration, dominate a marketplace, and then kind of rinse and repeat. And so, you know, I think there's a lot of opportunity there, obviously. And, you know, while the demand for this kind of real estate is there as well, it provides some unique ways for them to go about financing that growth as well. So... When I think of gas stations, and I think, look, maybe this stepping back, like whether you're a private equity investor, an institutional investor, or the mom and pops that runs one or two spaces, like the one thing you can't do is sit on your hands and not do anything and close your eyes and not be aware of what's going on just overall in the industry. Like me not knowing the business, I think of like electric vehicles, I think of labor costs, I think of inflation. Sure. There's a lot of headwinds that I guess, especially for the mom and pops, that if they're not really actively managing their portfolio, they could get really caught in a bad position, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that that's a common piece of feedback that you get when you talk to investors, right? Especially if you're talking to folks that are you know, living in the coasts, right? Where maybe things are a little bit more progressive when it comes to EVs versus the folks that are living in you know the middle of the country where... You know, I'm in LA, right? Every other car feels like a Tesla, which is insane, right? Um, but if you go to other parts of the country, it's not like that, right? So I think my viewpoint and our viewpoint is maybe a little bit uh, slanted. But that being said, I think you'd be silly to not recognize that this is coming. And so I think what you'll see and what you've seen is, you know, gas stations start to really invest in the C store component, right? So have really great food offerings, coffee offerings you know, things to help bring people in um, and then adding some, you know, chargers to their um, locations where it makes sense, right? Because figure if you're going to go charge, ideally you want to go somewhere where you can spend 15, 20, 30 minutes 
And, you know, there's something there for you, right? A good snack, you know, something broader than the traditional, you know, aisle of candy that you would typically see at, you know, your, your normal corner store. So I'm going to toss you a softball since <laughs> this is a, you know, traditionally this is a sale lease back podcast. So I'm a small mom and pops operator. I want to do some of those add-ons, right? How do I fund it? Logan, interest rates are 8%. Like, what am I going to do to fund that? Yeah. Yeah. Sell lease back is obviously a really incredible way to raise capital right now. And again, and you know, basically for real estate investors right now, gas stations and C stores provide this bonus depreciation benefit, which you know effectively allows an investor to take it was a hundred percent, but now 80% depreciation in year one. And so what that's done is drive cap rates down, right? Um, they've compressed. So, you know, even small operators with smaller credit are seeing really aggressive pricing because of this tax benefit. And so, yeah, I mean, a sell lease back is a really interesting way and unique way to raise capital so you can make those investments back into your business so that you can address some of these headwinds that you've you know mentioned. Perfect segue again into another topic, which was, I think, the other big thing we want to talk about here is the benefits of owning the gas station as it relates to the depreciation, the bonus depreciation, right. and all of those tax codes that were implemented a few years ago. Let's let's kind of dive into that. And and we're not here giving tax advice, yeah. right? Disclaimer, not an accountant, <laughs> not a CPA, right? <laughs> so just you know, give me the gist sure. of like, you know, how this works and why this is a track. Yeah. So effectively 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, in that there was some language related to bonus depreciation. And so they carved out a couple of asset classes, gas stations and car washes, and said, look, if you invest in one of these assets, you can take bonus depreciation. So from 2017 until the end of 2022, or January 1st, 2023, effectively, it was 100% in year one. So, you know, easy numbers, you bought a million dollar gas station, you allocate a little bit for land, let's say 20%. So you have $800,000, you could effectively write off the $800,000 in year one. So obviously for high net worth individuals with a lot of passive income looking to offset that income, this was a massive opportunity, tax strategy, wealth protection strategy, et cetera. That law has essentially a sunset built into it, right? So this year it's dropped to 80% depreciation and it will drop 20% thereafter until it expires in 2026, end of 2026, assuming you know, Congress doesn't step in and decides to renew it or something along those lines. So yeah, so you can imagine, right, you have a tax problem, and you're looking for creative ways to solve it. This is a really interesting, you know, strategy, and one that we've seen people get really excited about and get really aggressive about. So I think we saw just overall in the commercial real estate industry, and I don't remember the exact percentages, but I think everybody would say, you know, Q4 transaction volume probably dropped you know, 50% among a lot of product types. What did you see like in your space, in the gas station space? Because of these benefits that you just mentioned, I got to imagine it was a little bit less, maybe a lot less, right? <laughs> I don't recommend doing closings on the 30th of December, but a lot of that basically was happening because, you know, like, look, we'll have conversations with people all year and say, hey, look, this is a benefit, so on and so forth. And like, I think most people by the summer-ish kind of know what the year is going to look like. And those folks got ahead of it and it was great. But then you had a lot of people that started calling us in like November, December 1st, being like, what can I get done before the end of the year? 
And so, you know, there's a lot of creative ways to close, seller financing, things like that. But there was definitely not a slowdown, right? Um, the benefit's too good. There's too many people looking to do it. And yeah, it was frankly a whirlwind. I mean, I was in Australia on vacation and like the time change was out of control. But I was trying to get stuff done on that Friday, which we were able to do. But no, it was we did not see a downturn in Q4 for us in this particular asset class. Very cool. That's good to hear. And yeah, and I think it'll probably be the same somewhat this year. I mean, it's not 100%. It's still... 80% ain't, ain't, ain't too shabby Yeah, it's still either, really right? great. I mean, you know, relative to, you know, the alternative, which is to do like a cost segregation study, you know, it's still a significantly higher benefit and also doesn't require you to do a cost segregation study, right? Which also costs money. And the leverage part is key. You know, you buy the million dollar gas station, let's say you allocate 20% to land. So you got 80% to the mm -hmm. improvements. You get the $800,000 write-off. Well, you did it last year, at least when it was 100%. Yeah. You weren't coming out of pocket 800 grand. You were coming out of pocket 25, 35% or maybe even less when you got the seller financing, right? Exactly. I mean, the typical kind of leverage we're seeing is like 65 to 70% on these kinds of deals, but obviously it depends on the investor and the guarantor and things like that and the, the cash flow. So. so kind of parting thoughts, is there any, you know, anything that you think is going to change in the future? I guess, you know, what do you think maybe aside from what we covered, you know, the future holds for this industry? Yeah, look, I think we'll continue to see a lot of the same trends we've seen, right? Like we just talked about, I think that the benefit from a tax perspective for investors is still really strong. So I don't really see you know, a drop in demand. I think that obviously with interest rates where they are, I think it requires the operators to reassess, right? A lot of operators were getting under contract to buy these deals, underwriting with a different idea of where they're exit could be. And I think they need to come to the reality that, you know, mid sixes, high sixes really aren't the thing anymore, right? It's probably more like high sevens, close to eight caps. And so, you know, maybe the margins are a little thinner. As long as they're, you know, underwriting appropriately on some of these new things, I think they'll find opportunity to, to leverage the sale lease back, you know, to finance their acquisition. So we'll still see a lot of growth there. And then, yeah, just from the, you know, the broader business, like I said, I think that there are folks that are going to start innovating about providing more you know, opportunities for customers at the location, adding, you know, chargers where it makes sense in regions where it makes sense. But at the end of the day, like gas is pretty inelastic. Like even when gas prices were outrageous last year, gas stations were doing really well. People still needed to get to work. People still wanted to go, you know, need to go to the grocery store. So I think it's an industry that's still got a lot of runway and, you know, excited to be a part of it, obviously. Perfect. Well, thanks for being on the show. My last question would be, how many gas stations do you need to sell in 2023 to where you and your wife plan on having that second baby, right? <laughs> uh, 50, you, know, you got your hands full of the first one, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 50 is the number. I think 50, 50 will make it work. I don't think I have a choice. I got to sell the gas stations regardless. Like The, the, the time's going to come knocking and she's going to be like, it's time. I don't care how many gas stations you sold, but uh, it would definitely be easier if I could sell a little bit more, no doubt. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Logan. Appreciate you being on the show. Lots of great insight and look forward to uh, seeing you soon in LA. Sounds great, Tom. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks again. Thank you. Mission Critical, a sale leaseback podcast by Ascension. To find out more about Ascension and how we can help you achieve a higher standard of real estate advisory, visit www.higherascension.com. And then make sure to search for Mission Critical in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. We talk to Sally Spy. Yeah.